And if you have your Bibles, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to continue a series that we began entitled Pleasing God. And uh, the Bible speaks very clearly in numbers of uh, uh, passages about how to please God. And so we're looking at those scriptures. Uh, we have, I think, three more lessons to go here. And we are considering this issue of pleasing God. Okay, we're going to get some uh, scriptures. Brian, uh, the boy's going to read uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Uh, Tom, can you read 2 Timothy 2, 3, and 4? Chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Gary Basham, 2 Timothy 4, uh, 7. Uh, Will, can you read 1 Timothy 1, 18? Uh, Steve Garfield, Colossians 4, uh, verse 15. Uh, read for me, Josh, um, 2 Timothy 2, 4. Got some others. Jeff Cooper, can you read Luke 10, 9? Luke 10, 9. Uh, Diedrich, can you read uh, Luke 9, 2? And uh, Ken Herman, can you read Luke 4, 43? Got some more. Dennis, John 5, verse 30. And George Shields, John 6, 38. Okay, let's look. Today's lesson is uh, uh, pleasing God through priority. Let's get our launching scripture we use each week. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 1. Finally, that... Okay, this is our launching scripture. He writes to a local congregation. He says, pleasing God is not uh, a mystery. It's not unattainable. He's, he says, when I was with you, when I was your pastor, I clearly taught you how you can please God. And so this can be known. Okay, let's look at our verse today. That's 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 3 and 4. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life. Okay, that he may please him who has enlisted him to be a soldier. Okay, today's lesson is pleasing God through priority. We're going to begin. Uh, first thought has to do with the thought of being under orders. Paul uses a very common word picture that is used throughout the New Testament, and that word picture uh, is uh, of a soldier. And uh, he uses this all through the, the Bible because he is writing. He's saying to Timothy, who's a believer, Timothy, who's a man of God, he says, this is who you are. You are a soldier. This is what you are. And so we understand the New Testament is filled with uh, uh, military language and military commands. We have whole Sunday school lessons that have been based just on the military commands. We have uh, words such as war and warfare, warreth, fight, charge, salute. All of these are taken from a military uh, mindset. These people had military garrisons in, in uh, most uh, uh, cities that they would be living in. They would uh, come in constant contact with military, and he adapts that. He says, this is what we are, who we are in Christ, is that we are 
soldiers in God's army. Second Timothy four verse seven. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Okay, Paul is summing up his life and a lifetime. He sums up. I have fought the good fight. And again, this is military. This is how he views himself. First Timothy one verse eighteen. This charge I commit Okay, he says, I charge you. That is actually a military command. I command you. I'm giving you an order, Timothy, that you would war a good warfare because that is built into who we are. Colossians 4, verse 15. Okay, and your translation is greet. In the King James, it's salute. This again is a military uh, uh, command. It's talking about when you when you see other believers, and uh, of course we don't uh, literally have a salute, but in this greeting, the very idea is that you are fellow soldiers. One soldier is greeting another. Uh, soldiers. So this is built into how God views us. And in our scripture, we, we uh, get this uh, uh, reiterated. 2 Timothy 2.4. No, no one engages in warfare and tangles himself in the affairs of his life. You may please him to enlist him as a soldier. Okay. Involved in warfare. Literally, this is someone who is on a military campaign. Uh, they don't become entangled. They may please him who has enlisted him to be a soldier. So this is built in when you get saved, you became enlisted in God's army. That's part and parcel of, of uh, salvation. So what is the point of that? Why does the Bible have so much military language? Why does God call us soldiers or what is the point of being a soldier? Because if you don't understand what the point is, then you're not going to grasp why there is so much military language. Jeff? Well, it's somebody who will be under discipline to be more effective as a, as a total unit. Okay, effective as a total unit. Matt? Christian life is a fight and a battle. Uh, it, it is. It, it is telling us that there is a battle. But what's the point, though? Why? For what purpose? What is our, what's the end result, Woody? Kill people and break things. <laughs> <laughs> Very exciting. <laughs> in, in a spiritual way. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Woody means it, he means that in the nicest possible way, too. <laughs> Don, what were you going to say? We have a mission and a cause. Okay, you're getting, you're getting closer to the purpose. Don't confuse your purpose with the, you know, killing people, breaking things is how you get it done. Okay, Frank? Victory, and what, how would we determine victory? Tom? Souls saved. Souls saved. Okay, that, that would be, uh, yes, that would be an end result. Okay, so a soldier in in uh, in modern terms, what is it that they are? What is their purpose? <laughs> that will defeating the enemy is the means. That's how you're going to do it. That's not the that's not the purpose. What is the purpose? 
Well, we're part of the kingdom. And um, as being part of the kingdom, we, we have a king. Have a king, yes. You're getting very close. Okay. And <laughs> <laughs> We're part of a kingdom. We have a king. And so, what is our purpose? To establish that kingdom. For what purpose? <laughs> Sorry? Taking the land. Taking the land. Phil? Okay, there you go. Is that we have... You have, whether this is in a kingdom setting or whether this is in a democracy, is you have the will of the commander or of the government, however you want to uh, uh, see that, and you are to carry out the aims of the, the government. He's saying, in a, in a, obviously, in a natural military sense, killing people, breaking things is the method you do that. Defeating the enemy, that's what you have to do from time to time. But ultimately, for what purpose? Is you have the aims, you have the will of, ancient times it would be a king, that would be your president, your government, uh, uh, whatever it might be. And so, uh, in those in the scriptures that we uh, referred to is these were primarily Roman soldiers that they were to extend and maintain the rule of Rome or literally the will of Caesar. That is their purpose. You may have to fight, you may have to maintain, you may have to do many things, but overall it is to carry out not your will. It's not what do I think I should be doing. It is whether or not you are furthering the aims of uh, uh, your commander, okay? And so our lives need to be involved in extending God's kingdom. Somebody said uh, saving souls is part of that. Luke 10, verse 9. Look, God has come near to you. Okay, he is sending them now into places they had not gone. And he says, you are to announce the kingdom of God is here. I am here to extend the will of my king into uh, uh, enemy territory or new territory. Luke 9, verse 2. Okay, again, the same thought, preaching the kingdom of God. Luke 4, 43. Okay, I have been sent. This is coming closer to our uh, uh, scriptural idea. I was sent for a purpose, and that is other cities. I am to extend uh, the kingdom of God. So the idea of being a soldier, when he writes to Timothy here, he says you were enlisted as a soldier Built into that idea is that a soldier is someone who is under uh, orders, or literally someone who submits their will to the orders of their commander. John 5, verse 30. I cannot myself do nothing, as I hear I judge, and my judgment is righteous, because I... Okay, Jesus is now explaining to them the basis of how he operates in every area of life. He says, I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. That dominates every single decision. John 6, verse 38. 
Did I get that too? Nate, can you see it? No? Someone getting it? Okay, Nate, go ahead. For I come down from heaven not to do my own will, but to do the will of him that sent me. Okay, I came down. This is my purpose. This is how I view myself, is to do the will of him who sent me. You ever talk to people and and uh, they want to argue with you uh, uh, about right and wrong? You ever had this argument? Show me where marijuana is in the Bible, man. I don't see. Budweiser is not in the Bible. Where does it say thou shalt not drink Budweiser? So that in everything in life, all they want is they want to know right and wrong. Where is the thou shalt not? That is it. But that is not a correct view of life is when you are a believer. Jesus says in those two verses that we read, the basis of every action and every decision is, is this in line with my calling as a soldier? Is this going to help or is this going to hurt my calling as a soldier? So this move, there are things that are not right and wrong or a thou shalt not, but he says, if I am not doing the will of my father, he is the king. If I'm not doing his will, <laughs> then I'm not fulfilling my purpose. And so this is the understanding. Every single believer has this. We have a calling. We are under orders. And in our lives, we must fulfill the will of the king and be extending uh, the kingdom. Okay, let's open for questions or comments at that point. Something you want to ask or something you want to add at that point. Phil? Yeah. Yeah, do I have to? Yeah, and so that is an incorrect idea. Someone who has the idea of do I have to? I think I preached a while back. Um, uh, one of the brothers was telling me that they had a long-term backslider, hadn't been in years, had a funeral, somebody died, so they're momentarily stirred at the altar. While he says the sinner's prayer, I repent of my sins. And then as soon as the prayer is finished, like, do I have to come to church? Do I have to come to all the services now? So that, that is an a incorrect idea is of what you have to. And uh, very, very good. So it's, it's what does God want? Kelly. I think sometimes being a soldier, being under authority, and I think all the service to soldiers so many times, they're told to do something and they have no reason why. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's true. Sometimes the orders uh, that God may give you, He doesn't give you full explanation. That's true. But He He's able to give those orders because He's smarter than you. He's smarter than me, DJ. Just playing off of Phil's comment about being a soldier, have to our own will, and trying to get to this point. You mentioned right and wrong. And I've progressed in this whole Christian thing, is that life is rarely a decision between doing what's right, doing what's wrong. I've said it's rarely right versus wrong
Because that's really what it comes down to in the life of Christian is do I do what's right, what God wants, or do I do what's easy, what I want? Yeah, easy, yep, or convenient. Very good. Very good. Okay, let's move on to a uh, next section here. Uh, get to scriptures. If you haven't read, Stephen's going to read 2 Timothy 2, uh, 4. Heath is going to read Matthew 22, 14. Phil uh, is going to read Mark 4, 18 and 19. Uh, John Kern read Hebrews 12, 1. And Brandon read Luke 14, 18 through 20. So let's... Let's talk secondly. So in our scripture, first of all, he lays out, you are a soldier, Timothy. Now, the second thought, if we're under orders, is this. It has to do with pleasing or with becoming entangled. It is possible, according to this scripture, it is possible to become unfit to fulfill our purpose. 2 Timothy 2.4. No one engaged in warfare engages entangles himself Okay, so you are engaged in warfare, literally is on a military campaign. That was what the word originally meant. You are a soldier. Said if you are a soldier and on, on military campaign, no soldier entangles himself with the affairs of this life. The word literally is to be caught up in your robe or your Lower garments, you know, in those uh, days the men would wear uh, uh, flowing robes. And uh, so the idea is getting tripped up or entangled or you are unable to run properly. So he's saying it is possible that the very thing God has called you to do, you become unable to do. I can't. It's not possible. I have become entangled. And this is the, uh, the idea. Listen to this. Uh, a man named Flavius Renatus, he wrote in 380 AD. He was writing a, uh, a history about the uh, Roman armies at the peak of the Roman Empire. And he writes in there and describes uh, in great detail what made them to be able to conquer much of the known world. But at the time that this man wrote... The Roman armies had become lazy, uncommitted, and unprepared for war. He said the great majority of soldiers had become weak, physically fat, unexercised, and lazy, no longer viewing their right to serve as a privilege, but rather as a nasty, uncomfortable, unwanted obligation. So he's contrasting in this history. He says this is... What we used to be, there was a time in which it was an honor for a Roman uh, uh, young man to uh, go into the military and the honor. They were fighting and campaigning to extend uh, the Roman Empire around the world. But he says, but something has changed. Now it's no longer viewed as a privilege. No longer are they physically fit and ready uh, for combat at any time. But something has, uh, has changed. Now, this is a very modern problem. Uh, listen to this. According to Major Brian Dupree, the British Army is in danger of losing its warrior ethos as soldiers skip physical training sessions and obesity in the forces increase. He warned that operational effectiveness is being undermined and soldiers' lives could be at risk because some soldiers are unable to cope with the conditions in Afghanistan. He said the number of British soldiers classified as personnel unfit to deploy, PUDs, 
has risen to 3,860. So, so here it is. There's a problem. They're fighting in Afghanistan. They're joining us in this, uh, in this battle. There are men who are going on the front lines. And so there are uh, uh, now rising numbers of the limited forces that they have. At the time that that was written, almost 4,000 men say uh, they can't go. Why? Because they're too fat. They've gotten too lazy. They can't run. They run if you say, this is not going to be good in battle. So you're a soldier. You're getting paid by the government to be a soldier. But now we need you to do the job of a soldier. Can't, man. Too many cream puffs. So there's something wrong with that picture. So you, you have then, okay, now this is not... Uh, a matter that uh, I can't go, I'm a serial killer. That's not what he says. Is that they have become unfit. That's actually the picture uh, that is writing. Here in America, there's an a article. Uh, a woman who uh, joined the uh, military, but now when she is called up to deploy, single mom refuses to deploy and leaves son with strangers. And uh, so you read the article there. She's in the army. And they say, okay, now you've got to go to the front lines. And she says, I don't have babysitters that I like. Sorry, I can't go. <laughs> so, wait a minute, you're in the army. But I don't have good babysitters. I don't, I don't like the babysitters. So I'm not going. I'm staying home. So th this is exactly what he's writing here. It is possible to render yourself unable to fulfill your... Are you in the army? Yes. Are you a soldier? Yes. Are you under orders? Yes. Then go. I, I, no. No, I can't. I don't like the babysitters and, and, uh, put on a few pounds and so no thanks. I'm, I'm not going. Matthew 22, 14. Many are called, but few are chosen. This is talking now about the kingdom of God. There are people that God has a, a purpose for them, a calling. This may be preaching the gospel. This may be many other uh, uh, issues in life uh, and in the kingdom. They have a talent. They have ability. They have calling that God, things that God wants them to do. But the problem is, as some translations render that, few are chosen, or in other words, few qualify to be chosen. This is in the passage of of uh, the uh, wedding feast in which they're they're called to the wedding feast and one says hey I just I got a business going sorry can't come and another one you know I got married and I don't think my wife would be happy and and on and on and on and they all give excuses and so he says few fulfill their potential their very purpose that God has uh, 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 ordained for them or planned for them they cannot fulfill it. They are entangled, as this uh, scripture says. Now, we are not talking about people who are involved in horrible sin. He says here that they are entangled by non-military or civilian concerns. We use a word uh, uh, in Christian circles, the word is pagan. In modern times, that word has been taken over and has connotations of witchcraft. The word has nothing to do with witchcraft whatsoever. It came from a word in Latin, paganus, which was simply a civilian. And this was uh, 
someone who was in the military, they viewed civilians. These are people who they do whatever they want. They, you know, they feel like getting up. They do. They don't. They don't. They are concerned with their own, their own issues in life. Therefore, they are not rendering service uh, uh, to the uh, nation as they could. Now, Christians adopted that word out of life, and they said someone, uh, a pagan, is a, a non-Christian is somebody who lives for their own will. That word was adopted. Someone who lives for their own will. They're not under orders. What do I do in life? Whatever I feel like, whatever is convenient, whatever is easy, as our, our uh, uh, brother says. And so Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Timothy, he, he didn't write and say, make sure you don't become a drug dealer. That's not what he said. Make sure you don't become a, uh, an adulterer. You, you, you are involved in, in uh, uh, some gross sin. That is not what he says. He says, Timothy, make sure that civilian concerns or things that are not to do with the will of God, make sure that they don't entangle you and render you unfit to where God says, I want you to do something. Uh, no, sorry, I can't do it. Civilian concerns. So therefore, anything that entangles you so that you can't do the will of God becomes wrong. It's not a matter of whether Budweiser's in the Bible. Anything, there are people who they are called, they should be doing a work for God, but they're entangled by, by what? By their job, by debt, right? By hobbies. Sorry, man, can't, uh, can't, can't participate, can't make a contribution in the kingdom. We, we got to play. Well, he says, listen, if you're a soldier, that's wrong. That is not, uh, uh, not acceptable. And so this uh, is a truth from the Bible. Mark 4, 18 and 19. And the desires of other things entering in choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Okay, so the word of God becomes unfruitful. The word literally means non-productive or it doesn't fulfill its purpose. And what is it that entangles or chokes in this case, worries, uh, the deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for things or more stuff come in and they render it non-productive. I cannot fulfill my purpose in God because I got to buy some stuff or because I'm concerned about uh, other issues in life. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Okay, and this is a broad-ranging scripture. It speaks about the witnesses. This is the idea of people in the stands, those who uh, have already fulfilled their purpose in God, and now it is a... Uh, is the picture as though they're watching from uh, from heaven to see what our uh, part is going to be. And he says, because of their fulfilling their uh, purpose, every person needs to throw off whatever is going to trip you up or hinder you, whether this is sin, as it mentions, or uh, things that, uh, 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 anything that hinders you. Anything that trips you up, he says, it needs to go if it gets in the way of the will of God. Luke 4, 18 
through 20. Or 14, sorry, 14, 18 through 20. Is that Brandon? But they all went forward and began to make excuses. First said to him, I have brought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. If I ask, if I ask you, you have made me an excuse. And another said, I have brought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you, and you have me, and you have me, I ask you, you have me an excuse. Still another said, I have been, and therefore I do not come. Okay, so here is the uh, the parable of the uh, the wedding feast and the individual excuses. Each of these, the master or the king says, it's time to come, and they each say, no, I can't do it. None of these things are evil. It's not wrong to have a business. It's not wrong to have a wife. It's not wrong uh, to, uh, uh, to work a job. But uh, each of these are excuses and keep them from the will of God. So what are some ways that we can render ourselves unfit for God's purposes. What are some practical ways that people render themselves unfit or unable to fulfill the purposes of God? Rob? Well, the thing that I see with the soldiers in the military that has a person that way that's so unfit is not discipline. It's exactly what you're talking about with the soldiers with the fat and out of shape. Okay, lack of discipline. So, but get practical, Rob. What are some practical disciplines then? Well, for a Christian soldier, it would be prayer and reading the Bible, witnessing, being a testimony, uh, working hard in the job. Okay, all right, uh, that, that'd be true. Uh, uh, Mark? Debt. debt. And why would debt keep uh, someone from doing the will of God? Okay, can suck up your time. What else does it suck up? Debt. We might as well meddle here for a minute here. What else is it? Does debt do? So one thing is there are people who say because of their debt obligations, uh, they have to work two jobs or they got to work long hours or overtime. Uh, they can't be involved. So that's that's one issue. What's another issue about debt? Let's keep it specifically to debt. What else does debt do, Ken? Okay. Yes, giving, that's true. That would be another issue. Very true. Jeff? You do have another master, but practically, I'm getting practical. What's, a, what's another issue? Brother? Yeah, okay, that's what he said. That's time. That's true. What, a, what is a very important, uh, another another issue? I'm going to be hit yet. Yeah. You're not free to make your own financial decisions. You have to you know, stick to... Yeah, that would be true. Let's hit it here. is calling. I had a man uh, years ago, I took over a church. I had a church that had been planted out of that congregation. And uh, that pastor asked to see me one day. And he laid out to me, here he is called. He was actually doing a good job getting people saved. But he went through his finances of his obligations and um, uh, uh, what he could make. And the problem was he was $300 short every week. So here it is. He said, so what do I do? You come home. There is no answer. 
I'm not paying your bills. We can't pay your bills. You made a decision. I, you know, we didn't make that decision. So here, and this is what he had to do. He had to come home, was taken off the field in which he should be preaching the gospel because at crucial moments he bought stuff because he just had to have it. It was going to be a great idea, didn't think it through. And so now he cannot fulfill his calling. So that's, that's a very practical. No man who entangles himself with civilian affairs, things of, so I can't fulfill my calling. All right, debt. What are other ways that we uh, render ourselves unfit? Luke? Uh, a lot of people who are in debt don't pay their tithe. Okay, yeah, that'd be true. Tithing would be one. Giving would actually be another. All right, let's move off debt. What are other issues? Okay, why relationships? Okay, so you're talking about negative people who are not good for you? That'd be true. Carol? You have to keep rank. If you're a soldier, you have to be able to take command. And therefore, that means that if the pastor tells you something, why is it yourself on the Okay, that could be true. Able to take command's will? That could be who you marry. Okay, who you marry? That'd be true. Is there anything you want to tell us, Will? Or no? Oh no. Oh, you're talking in general. I see. I thought. I thought there's true confessions. Okay. <laughs> That's true. I've seen. I've seen as a common a man who says, "I, uh, I want to preach the gospel. I'm called." And so he marries a woman who has not the slightest interest in the things of God, and so therefore he's rendered unfit. Sorry, I would like to. My wife won't let me. As the parable says. Very good. I'm pulling your leg, Will. I know. She's a good girl. She. <laughs> Never mind. I'll stop. <laughs> Somebody else. Okay, let's move on to the, the final section here. Let's look at pleasing our commander here. Uh, i got some more scriptures if you haven't read uh, yet. Don, can you read for me? 2 Timothy 2.3. Uh, Woody Jr., uh, Matthew 6. 33, uh, Woody Sr., Philippians 3, 12. Louis, can you read uh, Psalms 143, 10? Uh, Mike, read for me Psalms 40, verse 8. Adam Harden, 2 Timothy 2, 4. Uh, got a few more back there. It is uh, Luke. You can read uh, Lucas, read Romans 14, 12. Uh, Paul, read Matthew 25, 19. And one more, Mike Maldonado, Matthew 25, 21. Okay. So, you're a soldier, you should not render yourself unfit, and then he gives the reasoning is because we should please our commander. This is our whole series is based on this. How do you please God? And he says this is our motivation. So we must have a desire to make ourselves fit for our purpose in God's army. So this requires a commitment to our orders. 2 Timothy 2 verse 3. Okay, endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That word good soldier is beautiful. This had nothing to do with looks, but this had to do with a totally committed soldier was one that they said that is beautiful. They are completely committed. They are, this is a soldier who is fit or capable or ready at a moment's uh, notice. So, the only way that you can be fit or ready and please your commander is this has to involve priority. Priority means order of importance. 
you have, you're involved in many things in life. And so uh, uh, the scripture speaks and says, by placing God and his will first, this becomes the highest importance. Matthew 6, 33. All right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. That, that it becomes the issue. This moves beyond right and wrong. But this is, this can involve time, uh, money, efforts, relationships, jobs, career. Everything has to be, uh, uh, put in this light is kingdom first. Is this getting in the way of me doing the will of God? Then I need to make uh, uh, decisions to change that. And uh, so the question becomes, is this stopping me from doing God's will or the will of my commander? Philippians uh, uh, 3, verse 12. This talks about knowing the will of God. Not as though I had already attained, either already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Okay, apprehend is literally lay hold. Paul is writing, thinking about his testimony. He says, I'm minding my own business one day. I'm going on in what I think God knocked me off my horse. And the picture, he says, is God grabbed me. And he says, why did God grab me? He laid hold on me. There's a purpose. So he says, and he's now looking at his entire life motivation. He says, so if I have been grabbed by God, he says, I want to grab or lay hold of that purpose. I want to make sure, I want to find out what is the will of God, and I want to make sure I'm doing it. Psalms 143, verse 10. Teach me to do your will. There ought to be a, a part of every believer's prayer time that you spend time asking God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? That may be today. What do you want me to do today? Or that may be in, in the near future or with your life. There, Every believer here, you are called for something. And you need to find out. You need to find out what are your orders. You have uh, uh, abilities. You have talents and and uh, 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 whatnot is is find out what is it that God uh, wants you to do and are you doing it? Psalms 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O oh my God, and the law and your law is within my heart. Okay, so here's a heart that says, I delight to do your will. So our scripture coming back to it says, why do we do that? Why would we make... The will of God, the highest priority, he says, because we want to please our commanding officer. Second Timothy 2.4. Okay. Why do you not become entangled? Why do you keep in mind at all times I'm a soldier and I'm under orders? To please the one who enlisted you. Now, for us, this is totally foreign. We have enlistment offices at the mall. You can walk in. You don't know these people. You've never spoken to them before in your life, but they'll sit you down and they'll sign you up. They, or, or you are uh, involved in, in enlisting with someone who's far away. That is not at all the picture that, that uh, Paul writes. The enlisting officer, uh, what they would often do is they would have 
regiments of men. They would have a man from a certain area. He would be uh, uh, from a certain town or a certain region that he would go to his hometown and he would enlist a regiment of soldiers. So this is not just somebody you just met at the mall today. This is somebody that you, maybe your family has known or you have been doing business with. You personally have relationship. This person comes and looks you in the eye and invites you to come and be a part uh, of the military. So if you're not doing your job, this is not, you know, I'm doing this to the bureaucrats who I've never seen in my life. This is somebody that you're going to see them. Maybe their farm was next to yours. You're going to run into them downtown and they're going to ask you, why are you not doing? Remember when I enlisted you, you had to look them uh, in the eye. And so this is the understanding that we have. Every believer, there is going to come a day when we are going to stand face to face with our commander. Romans 14, verse 12. So that each of us shall give an account of himself to God. Each of us shall give an account of himself to God. This is going to be a personal account. This is talking about the way that we have been living. Someday God is going to ask about that. And why didn't you ever get involved? How was it that you came to church for all those years and never came to prayer one time? God's going to ask. And with the finances I gave you, God's going to ask, what, what, how did you invest it as I wanted you to invest it? There's going to be a personal meeting. Matthew 25, 19. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts. Okay, the, uh, the Lord of the servants, the master, he came and he settled accounts, is what it says in, in uh, uh, that translation. Or another translation says, usually the one you see on the screen, to give an account of how they used his money. That is very real. One day we're going to stand before God. He's going to ask, what did you do with the money that I I gave you? You held on to it for me. What did you do with it? Did it further the purposes of God or was it only about you buying stuff? Matthew 25, 21. This ought to be the motivation of every believer is... That one day when you stand before God and you give an account that his final record of your life is well done. And he gives the parable they had differing amounts. The point is not that God is going to say to you, did you do as much as Pastor Mitchell? That is not the issue or your next door neighbor. God gives each person different callings. He gives different talents, different amounts of money, different opportunities. But at the end, it ought to be our desire that we say, God, I want you to be pleased with my life. This is a heart that pleases God as they keep this in mind. I want to please God. Okay, let's open for comments or or questions before we close. Something you want to add, something you want to ask about this. John Pratt? Christianity, 
Yes, okay. So we're not meant not meant to watch, we're meant to participate. Yeah, that's true. George? I've never been in the military, but out at the house of the Yes. Yeah, and the kingdom it breaks down when, when, as Paul says, every man seeks his own rather than, than the will of God or than uh, the things of God. Yes, very good. Dennis? One of the things a soldier has to abandon when he goes into battle is uh, the instinct of self-preservation. A lot of times the will of God is supported in that life because of self-preservation. It's responding to a call overseas and Self-preservation, yeah. And that can be in a lot of different a lot of different ways. Matt? What do you do when you find yourself to be unfit? Go on a diet. <laughs> <laughs> no, you make you make decisions to uh, to change that. So uh, that is that's the bottom line is if you have rendered yourself unfit by person who does it by debt, that they begin to uh, get out of debt. The person who's undisciplined, they begin to discipline themselves. You begin to line up your life with uh, the will of God. So that's that's the true test. The true test is not never making a mistake um, and, and, and being perfect, is, is lining up. That's constant. We line up our lives and come back to what we should be. Bear, what are you going to say? One well, of my sons is special forces in the Navy. Yeah. You know, and I, I viewed it as a witness, and he, he 
you listened. Yeah. And, and it was uh, it was it was kind of making uh, sense. It made sense to me in a deeper way that that's why you risk your life in the service is because God gave us all these things: this nation, freedom. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yes it is. Okay, we're going to stop there, and the service will start at 10.30.